always. And there we say hi to Steve Vines. So, hi to Steve Vines. How are you? Oh, yes. Good morning. Or whatever now. it is. Yeah. Good to be back with you. I think I missed out last week. So, uh, what's on the agenda today? I was shirking. I was shirking. Yeah, having a shirk. What's on the agenda today? Well, I mean, I think we were, unfortunately, you know, if, if you if you think there's a shortage of news ever, it just doesn't seem to happen. Mm. It'd be really nice if there was some good news, but there isn't. So now what we've got is this outbreak of um, so-called, you, you could call it dobbing in, or dobbing you could in, call yeah. it denunciations. I mean, these are the these were the awful, awful tactics of the Red Guards during the Cultural Revolution, where people in, in villages, in towns, in, in small cities, et cetera, et cetera, were, were denounced by their neighbours. They, they were then beaten up. And then the authorities, who didn't like X or Y, went to their houses and said, we have information from concerned citizens mm. that you have done this, that, and the other. And remember, in the 1960s, when all this was going on, these horrific events were going on in the mainland. People fled from the mainland to Hong Kong mm. because they wanted to escape that sort of arbitrary danger. And guess what? It's now happening in Hong Kong on a smaller scale. And the Red Guards we have here are sort of Toy Town Red Guards. But, you know, they haven't quite, they're not rampaging through the streets. But they are mobilizing. I mean, the case of this teacher who's been now banned for life, banned for life, from teaching is a result of so-called concerned citizens dobbing in this teacher, accusing him of, of spreading democracy propaganda in his class. He claims, apparently we don't, this case is being held with maximum lack of transparency, that he was merely exposing um, the pupils to different points of view, which I always thought was what teaching was about, but hey, what do I know? But you know, it's 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 an awful thing. This means this person's career has been destroyed for life, mm. for no no recognisable offence except for thought crime. The flashpoint is the independence angle. I think that was more specific, wasn't it? It is. I mean, but that's the flashpoint which has been alleged. We don't actually know whether no. this is true or it isn't true. I mean, we don't know. Even if it is true, you know, students have been exposed to a, a discussion of whether. Hong Kong independence is a valid option for Hong Kong. Most people in Hong Kong do not think that is the case, myself included, incidentally. But you, you can discuss the, I mean, this is what education is supposed to be. In a primary you know, school, Steve? When, well, I don't know. When I was in primary school, they tried to give us a dose of religion, which I... Well, absolutely, yes. Strong, More than a dose, Steve. Whoa. Well, it was more, well. I was fortunately in a, in a religious light school, but you know, it was something which um, neither me or, incidentally, my family, my my family were very much opposed to this sort of indoctrination in school. And in the end, I was actually now I come to think of it, I was removed from from religious education classes because there was a strong objection. But you know, all I'm saying is this is what happens in schools. So let's let's not say that this is unprecedented, and it happens at primary level. Yep. But it, it, in Hong Kong, it's going further. Magistrates, judges are being denounced. Um, Stanley Ho has been removed as a magistrate after so-called concerned citizens wrote into the judiciary complaining that his sentencing of protesters had been too lenient. 
there's a reporter at um, RTHK who is accused of, uh, actually, I'm not sure what she's being accused of, but the fact of the matter is she, she's famous for asking aggressive questions at press conferences. All my experience as a journalist is that asking um, questions at press conferences, A, is legitimate, and the more pointed and sharp they are is desirable. But hey, yet again, you know, these so-called concerned citizens, little ticket collecting red guards have, have, have denounced her, want, they want her sacked, they want her punished, etc., etc. There's a move to get Dr. Kwokkaki removed as um, a doctor from the medical register because he posted on his Facebook page criticism of the police. And so it goes on. What is the bottom line here? It's intimidation. It's clearly intimidation. Some of it is intimidation for a purpose, to make sure that everybody shuts up. You know, everybody feels that whatever job they do, they're exposed to scrutiny and they better well keep stum. or if they're going to say anything, say something nice about the Chinese Communist Party. The other aspect of this, which is more red guardy than anything else, is these people just like bloodlust. They like punishment. They want to see people lose their jobs. They want to see people put in jail, which is, you may say, hmm, I would say that, that that's the dark side of human nature. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'll say, Steve, and the obvious question is why, looking back in history, what's going on in the head of a person that is prone to doing this? Is it purely fear on their part, in your opinion? No, I think some of it is what they regard as revenge. People who, mm. who support authoritarian regimes never or very, very rarely want to engage in dialogue because they are fearful that they will lose the argument. So there is no authoritarian regime in history, I can say this without qualification, that hasn't given rise to this business of denouncing dissidents because it's easier to put a dissident in jail Mm. than have a debate with them, because then you have to actually confront the issues, you know. If you you simply say, shut up, I don't want to hear you, and if I do hear from you, you're going to get punished, it's much easier than trying actually to engage in a dialogue. They know in their hearts of hearts their argument is pretty damn weak, but they also know that they have the power and the influence to make sure that the argument isn't held. So they say, tell you what, why should we listen to these people? Why not just put them away? Is it like a scorched earth policy? Do you get the impression it's like, let's just totally clear the decks on every level? And by the way, Steve, I want to say hello to Rick on Facebook, who says, I'm enjoying your 1998 book, Steve, on China's new colony. There you go. So <laughs> It's a very good book. Can I recommend it to, <laughs> to, to, to a reader? Yeah, Scorched Earth, Steve. We're, 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 we're dealing with no, nothing. We're, dealing, we're just going to completely clear the decks, and that way it's safer. Well, I mean, if that's the plan, it's, it, 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 it's more depressing than, than perhaps... Uh, that's a question, really. You get the impression yeah. that it's like, whoosh, just, you know, shove all the chess pieces off the board and things are cool then. Yeah, I mean, it is like that. And I, I have to say, uh, and here you may say, well, you know, you're, you're, you're talking your own book. You know, on, on another part of RTHK, I, I host a current affairs programme. We make Herculean efforts. I'm really not overstating the case to get members of the administration, representatives of the police force, 
pro-China politicians to appear on the program and explain their case. I would say this happens every single week. And they decline to come. And then they whinge and complain. They go, oh, these programs aren't fair. Our point of view is never reflected. Well, you have an opportunity to be there. But instead of being there, what they want to do is to shut down the programs, mm. to, to shut down the discussion in case they feel that if they actually were exposed to the light of day and were questioned in Norway, they weren't able to provide answers. So I think the fear actually exists on both sides. There's mm. a fear of the victims, but there's a fear of the people who are making them victims because they are so insecure about their own... I.e. they might put a foot wrong on camera, are you saying? Or maybe they, 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 they haven't got the self-confidence in their case that they claim to have. I mean, if you have a good case, why on earth would you shirk the opportunity to express it? There is no logic to that. Mm. You know, why is Donald Trump questioning the outcome of the election before it um, actually <laughs> takes place? There's only one reason, is because he thinks he's going to lose it. <laughs> you know, I mean, people who are confident of success do not want to shut down the process under which that success is achieved. Mm. It, the, the quicker route is to shut everybody up, put them in jail, kick them out of jobs, etc., etc. That is happening in Hong Kong in 2020 is, is a regression of an enormous degree. And I'm not quite sure where it will end. I mean, we've heard Carrie Lam say that this teacher, who she apparently seems to know a lot about, but she hasn't disclosed these details in public, is a bad apple. And she's going to root out other bad apples in the teaching profession. Where, where is this going to end? I don't know. It doesn't seem as though it's heading in a, in a favourable direction. Imagine if you were a teacher <laughs> right now. Sorry? Imagine if you were a teacher right now, today, this moment, this minute, what would you be, I wonder, I mean... I, I would be a very unhappy camper. I really would. I would be looking over my shoulder. I'd be wondering whether things that I said in the classroom would be taken out of context and reported perhaps to a parent who was yes. um, unsympathetic to, to the democracy movement. I would be worried that the education department, which has become a sort of Red Guard organisation, and incidentally, talking Red Guard organisations, you've now got the, 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 the main little flag waver, he's a big flag waver, Li Wai Chung, Sorry, Lun Chong Ying. What's wrong with me? Lun Chong Ying rampaging throughout Hong Kong saying, name them, name them, I want their names, I want them to be denounced. Well, you know. It's like the so. Richard Topcliffe of Hong Kong, you know, the, the Inquisitor <laughs> General from the. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's not, a, it, it, it's not a good look. It really isn't, is it? Well, back, back again to my simple, simple question why? What motivates people to be just so bloodlustful? And we didn't, as you, the revenge. words you used earlier revenge. 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 I think they're, they're, they're terminally, terminally upset by the fact that every time people have a real opportunity to express their views, the lie which they spread, which the silent majority supports repression, they love authoritarian governments, is exposed. We saw this in the November to last year, 2019, district council elections, when the pro-democratic camp was more or less wiped out from district councils. We saw it when two million people, a, a, a demonstration of enormous proportions took to the streets last year in June. So that's they the revenge. Cannot, 
hence the revenge, because they cannot on their side of the fence ever mobilize these numbers, ever mobilize this sort of support. So what do you do when you can't gain support by legitimate and democratic means? You resort to precisely what they're resorting to. That's where we are. Let's look at the knock-on effect, potentially, of all the stuff that's going on in schools right now. I mean, a big, a big topic of conversation that comes up frequently is that many, many officials and highfalutin people send their kids overseas. So what happens now that the schools become more aligned to how perhaps a lot of these people would like to see them? Do they still send their kids overseas? Or they will emigrate entirely. I mean, we've seen this new um, study from... Um, the Chinese University, mm. which was published yesterday, which shows, uh, I have no idea if this is accurate, but according to this study, it shows that almost 44% of people in Hong Kong who have the means to emigrate are thinking of doing so. Of that, 27% are, are, are dissatisfied with the government, 37% are worried about the state of liberty and democracy in Hong Kong. I think you're going to see, we've now reached a stage where this is a, a near certainty, an enormous outflow of people from Hong Kong, including the brightest and the best. Mm. The implications for the future are enormous. When you get rid of some of the people who are most useful, contribute the most to society and say, we don't want you anymore, all we want is people who are loyal to the Communist Party, Careful what you wish for. Let's go back to the classroom for a second. Bright joins us on Facebook Live. Politics shouldn't be taught to school kids anyway until they're about 14 or 15 years old. Three R's are more important in school. I, I, I'm kind of, you know, it's a little kid, you know. Look, say, look for goodness sake, grow up. You know, it, schools are about society. So the three R's. Goodness, is that really no, not No, I kind of know what he's saying, Steve. I mean, I'm not... Well, I do. I know what he's saying. It's primitive it's like, thinking of the... It's primitive thinking of an extreme nature. I think that people who say, oh, well, as long as they can spell properly and they can do their sums and they can read, <laughs> that's job done. That's education. I'm I know, sorry. but... Uh, just turn, We've moved on. Turn back the clock to when you were 10. Would have any of this made any sense to you anyway? You just want noddy no, and playtime, basically. But, but I would hope that, that, that children, even at a primary level, are given some sense of community. Yes, uh, uh, and that's politics, some, I suppose. Some idea... Of, of of the history of where they live. I think these things are entirely within the remit of education. Here's one for you. Tim says, wait until the BNO visa offer comes into force in January. Thanks, Tim. What do you reckon to that? Sorry, what comes into force? Wait until the BNO visa offer comes into force in January. BNO. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is part, I think, of, of the reason why these surveys are showing such high levels of interest in immigration. Mm. Remember, <coughs> something like three million people hold these British National Overseas BNO passports, mm -hmm. which according to the Brits are going to become a pathway to citizenship in, um, in the United Kingdom. Obviously, three million people are not going to emigrate to Britain. I and not just to Britain, but, you know, plenty of other places. Well, no, no, but for BNOs, we're talking about th three, three million potential... Sure people who have, would have the right of abode in Britain. I, as I said, I don't think for one moment that's going to happen, but, you know, 
Never seen so ten percent went. That's okay. three hundred thousand people. That's a hell of a lot of people by any standards. And if you look at, I mean, you can look at these opinion surveys, such as the one that was conducted at the Chinese University, which we talked about a moment ago. But you also look at people moving bank accounts overseas, uh, moving, um, applying overseas for their children to go to schools in other countries. These aren't fantasies. Mm -hmm. This is what's happening right now. People are saying, we've got to get our money out. We've got to get our children out. We've got to have a back door which we can slip into. Incidentally, I've mentioned this on this program before, and a lot of our listeners have commented on it. That's the back door that all of these people, without exception, who run the government, Carrie Lam, John Lee, the Secretary for Security, Theresa Cheng, all of them have got their back doors sorted out. They all have access to residents in overseas countries. And they, I hope, they will never have the gall to criticise anybody else for wanting the same escape, escape route. I don't think they're entirely confident that the, 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 the flag that they're waving so earnestly at the moment will still be flying in whatever period of time, which is why through their families, they have all secured escape routes to, well, that's right, democratic countries. Yep. I don't hear any of them wanting to go to Belarus as a, as a safe exit. I don't hear any of them, by the way, making plans to go and live on the mainland as a safe alternative to Hong Kong. No, no, they want to go to democratic societies. Little wonder that people far less um, prominent in society are thinking along the same lines. Mm. We've got to put the brakes on for a second. I've got a really couple of cool things from Tommy on Facebook and an interesting email from Alan. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. So you sit tight, Steve, and we'll be back in a mo. Uh, do join us on Facebook Live if you'd like to uh, be part and say hi to Steve. Morning Brew, of course, is the page. <laughs> Right, let's get to a couple of messages that I mentioned just before the news. Then I'm sure, Steve, you want to move on to a couple of other things. So Tommy, who writes to us fairly frequently, good on you, mate. He said, I'm a teacher, but at the tertiary level, I find that I'm checking myself now before saying some things that I might have just blurted out in class previously. He also says, I hope you appreciate that I switched my attention from the US vice presidential debate to my weekly dose of Steve. There you go. Not banning Tommy this morning. Thank you, you, Tommy. (laughs) Yep. Um, And Alan sends us a very interesting email. He said, regarding the banned teacher, um, it should be noted that the classes he's being pillaged for were early in 2019, 2019. So the charge of promoting Hong Kong independence, even if it were true, which Alan doubts, is irrelevant as it occurred a year before the NSL. He said in a, a related uh, white terror, he said a Hong Kong publisher working on a book of memoirs, told me that he may have to remove any mention of the word Tiananmen because local printers are afraid of the consequences. Well, could you blame them, Alan? Thank you. Steve. No, it's, it, it, could you blame them? I mean, it's very difficult now to get printed or distributed in Hong Kong. Any book might land up, might land up, remember, because we're in a situation of maximum uncertainty, might then end up on the blacklist. I, I, I happen to have some friends who were in the publishing business who've simply stopped doing it because yeah. they can't get their books printed in Hong Kong the option of getting them printed in the mainland isn't quite as attractive as it may sound. So they've given up the ghost. It's a terrible thing. They were 
producing high quality books about essentially political topics in the mainland. Well, if you can't get no them more. printed, you can't get them distributed. Yep. End of story. Yep. What about his point about retrospective, um, retroactive laws? Well, indeed. I mean, you know, we were told very, very firmly, very firmly, that the national security law would not be retrospective. We're just not hearing that anymore. The national security law, it appears, is whatever the government decides it is, because it's so vaguely drawn. We really don't know. I mean, the whole point of a law is to provide certainty, not to provide uncertainty, to provide a clear guideline for enforcement of the rules. Mm. But if you don't know what the rules are, you've just got arbitrary justice. That's what the national security law is. That's why people are so worried about it. You got it. I'm so worried about it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just wrap up the BNO thing. One comment again from Bright, who says, the BNO is not a straightforward. There are also conditions along the way. And I think you need a job after a while and money in the bank. And maybe you need... um, I can't read the next bit. Anyway, you get the point. Um, Another British ploy to keep property prices high, says Bright. But anyway, the first point, I think they've got to be conditions. Surely they're not just going to say, come come in. Well, incidentally, we we don't know what they are because they haven't been published yet. But I think what is like, I mean, what the government in London has suggested is that the conditions aren't that you have to have a job, but that you won't be able to apply for social social security assistance yeah. that you won't be able to have you won't have access automatically to the national health service i mean in the, these are the sort of conditions that you would expect before people start <laughs> contributing to society yeah so you know it's not it's not going to be a bed of roses i i'm fully aware of that Oh, and by the way, the British economy isn't doing too well, so finding a job in Britain at the moment, yeah. I think, is going to be very tough. I think he also was on the, well, the bit I didn't quite see. He said T-E-S-L-E, so it's uh, English qualifications and stuff like this. Andrew yeah. says, has Chenderman been scrubbed from school books here? I've lost track. I don't know, has it? I don't know either, because w- what was happening is is large amounts of self-censorship. I mean, it has been suggested that that is a subject that shouldn't be included in the school curriculum. Whether that is actually going to happen or not, I don't know. Remember, it's an incident. It's nothing more than an incident. Exactly. Why, you know, exactly. So, you know, I I don't know is the simple answer. And I don't think it's been clarified. So, yet again, yet another level of uncertainty is, is descending on us. And remember, history is a terrible thing for the Chinese Communist Party. It keeps changing. It keeps rewriting well, history. It's, it's been a terrible thing for many, many regimes over the years, hasn't it? Indeed. Indeed, that's true. That yeah? true. So the big takeaway from today so far is what is the greatest weapon that can be used? It's basically fear and confusion. In, in, any, yeah. in any circumstance, you get people confused. With, Andy's saying, oh, what has this? Oh, we don't know. We don't know. No. That's, 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 that's better you, than guns, that's isn't it? That's how you main, maintain control. I mean, we, we, we have someone writing in who's a teacher who's saying... He's looking over his shoulder all the time. And he's looking that's, back on what he might have said before. That's, that's indeed, uh, Tommy. Indeed. I mean, that, that keeps people under in a state of great, great uncertainty. It does. Join us on Facebook Live for a few minutes if you want to join in. It's really cool when you uh, write your comments underneath Steve's video. Or just uh, email me, morningbrew at rthk.hk. On you go. What do you want? Well, I'm... I'm wondering what's happening i mean obviously everybody is wondering 
what's happening to these 12 Hong Kongers who were arrested on, remember it's now, um, they, they were arrested on August the 23rd, mm-hmm. and we're, we're now, the what is it, 8th of October, and they've still not been seen in public. Their families don't have access to them. They don't have the right to choose their own lawyers. But now we hear, according to a report in the Apple Daily, which um, has been denied, I must say this, it has been denied by Carrie Lam, the chief executive who's very rarely told what's going on when it comes to enforcement matters. But anyway, she's denied it. But their report says that from the moment these 12 people got in the boat in Sai Kung and made their way out (coughs) towards the Taiwan Strait, they were monitored by uh, policemen who'd commandeered a flying services plane, a fixed-wing plane, to to, to follow the course of their um, journey, later joined by a helicopter to surveil the area. So the question is this, and it still is very much in people's minds. Were those 12 lured into a trap? Why were they not arrested if indeed an arrest was in order in Hong Kong waters? There was plenty of time to do it, particularly if you had surveillance underway during their journey. There's something else to consider here, Steve, because Hong Kong is such a transport hub. There are a lot of people, I know a couple myself, who are transport anoraks, and there are some apps like Flight Tracker and stuff, and they well, lit- they literally do just this. So it's not just the newspaper doing an investigation. It's that there's a lot of Joe aeroplane fans who got who went, what, what, why was he doing that on that day? I've, I've had two people. Well, in already. fact, I, my understanding of this Apple report is it comes from precisely yeah but it's not just them i'm saying a lot of people do this for fun and they've all they've all seen this yeah Yeah. absolutely but i I mean all i'm saying is there are so many questions raised by the arrest and the the fleeing of these 12 uh they are mainly young people i think the oldest is about 30 something um and perhaps more pressingly because i doubt we'll ever really be told the truth is their fate? I mean, it is worrying. I mean, the, the, all of the fears that Hong Kong has had about the lack of transparency of the legal system in the mainland are being played out yeah. by the day. Not having access to courts, defendants disappearing from sight, nobody having um, the means to contact them, the Hong Kong government, which is supposed to be looking after its own citizens, basically saying, oh, these are very bad people, we don't want anything to do with them. I mean, you know, goodness me, et cetera, et cetera. So why did all these people come out on the streets to protest against the extradition law? Now you know. It's it's clear as the nose on your face. Okay, well, uh, we'll find out a little bit more what's happening. Can we just talk about one other... Actually, You can can indeed. It's a connected subject. I mean, remember that the whole extradition saga was 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 um, triggered by the alleged concern that Carrie Lam and other um, members of the Waxwork administration had about being able to extradite um, Chan Tong Kai for the murder of his girlfriend, extradite him to Taiwan. He's now apparently gagging to go to Taiwan and present himself to the authorities. And endless political games are being played. If it was a humanitarian, a genuine humanitarian problem, and there was a genuine desire to help the family of the murdered girl get justice, he would be on a plane today 
he would probably be in a Taiwanese jail today and hopefully he'd be facing a court of law within a very rapid period of time. Where is he at the moment? He's actually in Hong Kong, living under police protection in an undisclosed location. That doesn't suggest to me that there is any sense of urgency. Incidentally, I think the Taiwan side is also playing politics with this. I don't think it's Oh, yeah, but they have from the word go, haven't they? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's half a dozen of one and half a dozen of the other. What isn't happening is a genuine concern for justice. So I think let's not forget... Not forget that that's going on while all this is going on. Let's put it really simply, Steve. What do you think Taiwan is saying to the government of Hong Kong in, in street terms? They're saying, I, I think what they're saying to them is give us some recognition that we exist. You think? <laughs> because, of course, they're petrified here. So they can't, well, You know, they say there's, there, there's no mechanism for us to talk to them. I mean, this is nonsense. There's been mechanisms for Hong Kong government to talk to Taiwanese authorities. But here and now, now, right now. You know, but now... You know, the Sino and the waxworks are, are sort of petrified. Every time they hear the word Taiwan, they go into meltdown and go, never heard of it, never heard of it. So what is this then? <laughs> is this a Czech situation? A chess Czech situation? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's the uncompetent, it's the incompetent meeting the terrified. I mean, they are really petrified because Taiwan is such a red line issue. They are so nervous about putting a single foot wrong. Incidentally, I mean, they're so stupid because the mainland authorities have numerous channels of connection with the authorities in Taiwan. They're not official. Some of them actually are official. They do have an official mechanism. Yeah. But they have many unofficial means of maintaining contact with the government in Taipei. So, you know, I mean, it's only when you've got a government that is so insecure, so petrified of the bosses slapping them over the knuckles that they think, I tell you what, let's do what we do best. Of course, what they do best is nothing. Right. Let's leave it there, Steve, unless you've got anything else you want to bring to the party. Very quickly. Go on, then. I'm very interested in what's happening over at the lamentable West Kowloon Cultural District, where they've just got rid of the CEO, Duncan Prescott. Remember, this is the... Prescott, rather. This is... um, they, they have a track record for getting rid of CEOs. They, yeah, which, they put yeah. in all these political trustees as, as board members to run this. The whole project, remember, has escalated from originally projected to cost something like $21.6 billion. It's now $70 billion, but that doesn't include the Palace Museum, which Carrie Lam added in as her big attempt at carrying favour early on in the piece. The whole thing yet again, is a political mess. I don't know, maybe one of our listeners does, why Duncan Prescott was suddenly let go. But I do know that, that we have a so-called cultural project with a, with a massive political agenda. It's never going to be good. It's never going to work well. And, and by putting, oh, that's right, the basement expert, Henry Tang, in charge of the board, I mean, well, he actually, do you know, actually one of his great, his great offers to this project was suggesting that they had a wine growing. You cannot make it up. So, you know, 
people who have no real interest in, in, in the arts, and it is an arts project, I mean, sorry to mention that. Well, there used to be lots of talk of concert halls and theatres, and that seems to have, seems to have disappeared. It really does. Well, hey, but the only people, let us never forget, the only people who are remaining staunchly in favour of the project are the property developers who are going to be developing property around the site. Gosh, thank goodness, I pray every day that nothing will happen to make property developers lose a single cent. And I hope, I hope they're not going to lose money here. Gosh, that would be awful, wouldn't it? Oh, man, Steve. Take care. We'll do it next <laughs> week at the same time. That is Steve Hines.